in December, all right? So bring you some cash. Uh, let them know you appreciate them, you care for them, you want them to go learn about the ark and uh, all that good stuff, and they'll feed you, all right? Then Thursday, November the 17th, there's this. Okay, um, I got two. Yeah, anyways, uh, the ladies' ministry are going to be doing holiday baskets for shut-ins. They've got some suggestions of things to get for those baskets, but they will be putting them together on November 17th at 6 o'clock, and they will be delivering the baskets on December the 3rd, all right? So keep that in mind. And then as well, Christmas in Kentucky, all right? These are not just nice church fans. These are, <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? These are Christmas shoe boxes. We've got about 50 left, all right? So only about half of them are gone. We want to see the other half disappear, all right? But then we want to see them reappear, all right? That's the key. We don't want you to just take them. We want you to fill them up, box them up, put them together, tape them. And we've got until November the 27th. That's the last Sunday in November. You say, well, that's an awful long ways away. That's four Sundays, right? That's coming quick fast and in a hurry because before you know it then we'll be having black friday shopping christmas shopping christmas carols the whole nine yards all right so christmas is coming whether you like it or not but we want to be a blessing to some others so grab your church fan all right fill it up and drop it off right here and uh, brother aj james will get it to those who are in need and last announcement for this morning is a fun one our through the bible uh certificate for part number 30 is going to miss sherry tate you come on up here and be all embarrassed for us this morning. Y'all give her a round of applause. Passed with flying colors and hardly cheated. She did a great... <laughs> Only used her Bible, though. She did good. All right, we appreciate you. And, uh, of course, as well, if you are interested in that ministry, that program, to, to learn some more, uh, some discipleship stuff, you can always sign up in the back and remind her about uh, the prayer advances as well if you're interested. Uh, but let's go ahead. We're going to pray this morning. And uh, we're going to sing, stand to our feet, and worship the Lord, all right? Uh, let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for this time that we can gather, we can meet. And, and Lord, that we can, we can smile today, Lord, because you've saved us. Uh, you've allowed us to come together to be a part of something far uh, bigger and far greater than we could ever imagine, the local church, the body of Christ. Lord, your bride, that one day you're going to come back for. Lord, we thank you for those truths. Help us today as we uh, are preparing our hearts now, and as you prepare our hearts, Lord, we ask that you would to, to stand and to sing and to worship you, to praise you, Lord. You're worthy of, of an eternal uh, service of worship, Lord. You're, you're worthy of our whole life. You're, you're worthy of every song sung. You're worthy of every sermon preached, Lord. You're worthy of the fellowship, the discipleship. You're worthy of everything, Lord. This is your church. We're your people, Lord. We're your sheep. Lord, draw us together. Draw us to you today. And God, we pray for unity of the Spirit. We pray for your power and your presence to be amongst us. And God, that you would be glorified and honored. And Lord, that you might show us Christ today through your word, uh, that some sinner who is near hell today would be born again. Uh, Lord, if there's a saint who just needs encouragement or, or uh, whatever their need might be today, God, we pray that your word and your spirit would apply uh, your word to their heart and would give them exactly what they need. Lord, help us to grow in, in faith and knowledge of Christ that we might make him known. And God, we just thank you, Lord, that we can come to you in prayer, that we can, that we can worship you and praise your name. Lord, help us now, guide and direct us in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Got something in my eye there. I had to blink a little bit. <clears throat> well, praise the Lord. It's good to be in the Lord's house, whether I got something in my eye or not. Amen. If you're able, please stand. We'll begin our singing service. Hymn number 500, Saved, Saved. Song I enjoy singing very much because... God save my soul. 
Titus 3.5 tells us, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Saved, saved. Sing out like you're glad about being saved. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true. I love. standing hymn number 193 God is so good first chronicles 1634 tells us oh give thanks unto the Lord for he is good for his mercy endureth forever and that verse is throughout the Psalms several times it's mentioned in the Psalms same words and everything so that's a very important verse something to take hold of because God means what he says. If he says it more than once, he really means it. Okay, we need to listen. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. Now, if you agree with this, it's all right to raise your hand, okay? Okay. Give praise unto the Lord. Don't raise your hand to me. Oh, no. Give it to the Lord. Amen. Because God is good. He cares for me. He cares for me. He cares for me. He's so He loves me so. 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 He loves me
loves me so, he's so good to me. Amen. Remain standing if you're able. Ezekiel 36, 26 tells us a new heart. Also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh. A perfect heart, hymn number 70. A perfect heart. Bless the Lord who reigns in beauty. Bless the Lord who reigns in wisdom and with power. Bless the Lord who reigns my life with so much love. He can make a perfect heart. Bless the Lord who reigns in beauty. Bless the Lord who reigns in wisdom and with power. Bless the Do not be seated. We're going to have our little welcome, greeting, handshake, wave, hello, smile. Make everybody feel welcome. Please don't miss anyone. It's good to have any visitors here with us this morning. If you're a first-time visitor, you let's make sure that we get our first-time visitors, okay? Then after we have a little greeting and fellowship, we'll be seated. Hello, brother. Okay, praise the Lord for a little fellowship. It's good to see people shaking hands, smiling. Let's sort of make our way back to our seat. When you get done fellowshipping, and uh, we're going to have a little special now by Miss Emily Hicks, and uh, looking forward to hearing her sing. So, Miss Emily, you you sing what the Lord put on your heart. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Sometimes I feel like on Sunday mornings, everything that can possibly keep you from coming to church will happen. 
and that's why I was like five minutes late. So, <laughs> but I'm here. Amen. So that's all that matters. But um, I feel like on mornings like that, that's when you're really going to miss the best blessing if you don't show up, you know. So hopefully that's what God's got in store for us today. And I'm not used to playing and singing by myself, so y'all just say a prayer for me because I'm a little nervous. <laughs> but here we go.
Beautifully done. Wonderful. Beautiful. Powerful name of Jesus. Boy, I like that. Praise the Lord. Amen. To his honor and his glory. Because he is beautiful, powerful, and wonderful. Amen. Okay, uh, now is our prayer time, so I ask you to bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me to the Most High God. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day again. We thank you, Lord, for all your many blessings and daily benefits. And Lord, thank you for the privilege and honor to come to the house of worship here today. Thank you for the freedom that we have in this country that we can do that. And it's all because of you, Lord, and we praise you for that. We thank you for the songs that's been sung, the music that's been played, and for every person that's in attendance here as we assemble together to worship in Jesus' name here today for your honor and your glory to lift up the name of Jesus, the powerful, wonderful, beautiful name of Jesus. Lord, we ask, Lord, that you'd help our pastor to preach this morning, Lord, and bless him, Lord, with the Spirit of God, and give him uh, liberty and power from on high, and help him to deliver your message for your people here today. We just ask, Lord, you give him strength and a special touch from heaven. And Lord, if there's one soul in our midst here today without you, don't know you as Lord and Savior, we pray today would be the day of salvation for that individual. Speak to hearts and challenge us. Convict us, Lord, where there's conviction needed from the message here today and in the, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, Lord, encourage any heart that needs encouragement here today. And we'll be faithful to give you praise, honor, and glory for everything that's accomplished here today. For it's in your name we assemble together, and in your name we pray. Amen. Okay, if you're able, please stand. We'll sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Revelation 5.12 tells us, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. He's worthy of it all, folks. Worthy is the Lamb. Amen. Beautiful song. Worthy 
preach what God's given to preach to us. All right, first things first, we want to recognize a couple folks who want to say thank you to Miss Joanne for her special play in this week with Revival, and it's good to have her back uh, from her time away. JL, you can't run away neither. I'll chase you down like a lion on an antelope. You come on. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. It takes a lot of work to get these songs uh, planned and played, and uh, grateful for their hearts to serve the Lord. And I know that neither one of them care a bit about any recognition, and each one have told me the same thing that we've just sung, and that they're not worthy of anything, but that Christ is worthy, and yes, He is today. How wonderful it is to gather with the saints of God. There's nothing sweeter. There should be no place right now that you would rather be. There is no place better on earth right now than this. The service and church service of God where God's people gather together is the closest thing to heaven we'll get on this earth. Do you understand that? This is where the people of God who have been saved by the Lamb who's, who was slain, but He's risen, and we've heard that already. We've sung that already. We believe that. Y'all believe that Jesus died and rose again, don't you? I hope so, because that's the only way you're ever going to be saved. That is our only hope in life and death. That is the reason why we're here. If Jesus doesn't get up from the grave, we may as well pack it up, go home, and forget the chili tonight, because nothing can save us. Nothing would be worthy. Nothing would be good enough. Nothing would give us anything in this life without that death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Take your Bible, turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter number 3 this morning. We're going to continue here looking at the risen life, verses number 3 and 4 today. I want to say before we go any further, I'm grateful for the messages this week. Revival, how many of y'all, it was a blessing to you this week that you were able to be here? I hope so. If it wasn't, y'all come back. We'll, we'll do it again sometime, alright? Uh, it was good. Not just because the messages were good, but any time we can gather and hear the Word of God preached, any time it's preached with power of the Holy Spirit, with conviction, we ought to praise and thank God for it. We need more of that, not less of it, by the way. Today I want to read Colossians 
chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, but today we're going to be focusing in on verses 3 and 4 with three simple, hopefully helpful truths to help us today, to encourage us, to strengthen us, to point us to who we've just sung about this morning so that we can do what verses 1 and 2 told us to do and then so that we can do what verses 5 on down the line tell us to do. We need to seek, right, those things which are above and set our affection on things above. We need to mortify our members and um, and that's not talking about you guys, it's talking about your flesh, right? My preaching and my job preaching is hopefully not to mortify you, to scare you. That's not the idea. I'm talking about bringing our bodies, our lives under subjection to the Word of God, to the Spirit of God, by the Spirit of God, by the Word of God, where He's going to tell us to put off some things and to put on some things and to, to walk rightly. But before we get there, we've got to get verses 3 and 4 today. We'll see how you won't have one without the other and you need the one for the other. If ye then be risen with Christ, as we talked about already, this word if is a, is a strange one. In the Greek, this is the idea of since you are risen with Christ. This is an indicative. Because you are risen with Christ. This is who you are and what you possess in Christ. Seek those things which are above where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We've just sung about that. Praise the Lord. That's where he's at right now. He's not still on a cross. He's not in a grave. No, no, no. He is uh, reigning. He is there making intercession for you and I even right now at this very moment. Do you know what Jesus wants right now as He's seated at the right hand of the Father? He wants you to receive the fullness of God. He wants you to experience the fullness of God. He wants you to experience the, the fullness in this very service of the Word of God preached, uh, of worship. He wants you to receive and to live in of all that you have already received and have been given in Him. He wants you to receive that right now. Why? Because you're already risen with Him. It is as if I'm already there. I'm seated in heavenly places right now. I'm right here, but I'm already right there. Praise God for it. That's what he sees. Look at this. He then says, Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection. Here comes the here comes the imperatives, right? We have the indicative. Here's the imperative. Here's the action steps, right? Seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, and set your affection on things above. Notice that above, 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 above. Why? Because this world is temporary, your life is temporary, your bank account is temporary, your cars, your truck, your business, your life, your family, it is temporary. There are eternal things that we must live for. We must be living today for eternity. That is what it is. We are living to die and die and to live. That's it. Right? That is our life. That we are living for the eternal things. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Right? We're just pilgrims. We sing all about this. And somewhere along the way, we've kept singing about it, but we've stopped believing about it. We need to live this truth that eternity is a breath away. Dear sinner, are you prepared to take that last breath? And dear saint of God, are you longing for that day? Are you well? Is it well in your soul? Are you prepared to meet your God and to do so with joy? We ought to. He says in verse 3 and 4, we're getting back to the indicative here. You say, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. We will after this. For ye are dead. Amen. Hallelujah. End of sermon. (laughs) And your life, it gets better though. It gets gooder. Look at this. Your life is hid with Christ in God. I want to read that again. You're dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, when Christ, give some certainty, don't it? Look at this. When Christ, who is our life. And notice that, that who is is, is in italics because it wasn't necessarily there. This helps us a little bit in the English. But it would literally read this way, and I think it has some more power. Y'all okay with that? 
All right. If not, you, you'll get over it. When Christ our life. Notice that? When Christ our life. Now for you and I, we have to understand it. When Christ who is our life, but it is the Christ life. It is that Christ is our very life. Our life is for Christ. To live is Christ. To die is gain. Your life is not to pay bills and die. Your life is not meant to just be a good church member and have it put in obituary. Your life is Christ. Christ is our life. That's how it should be. He gave us His life and we give Him portions. No, no, no. Dear friend, it must be Christ is our life. All that we are for all that He is. Because He gave us all that He is all that He's ever done for us. Look here. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, here's what's coming, shall appear. Shall means shall. It means it's coming in the future and it's coming certainly. Christ is coming. Even so come. Then, then, look at this, dear believer. Then shall ye, who's ye? Y'all. Write that down, y'all. Then y'all shall appear with Him in glory. Lord God, we come to you this day. We want to thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you for, oh God, we're just sinners. Who are we that we could even be saved? God, who are we that we could come we can know that You are very present with us today. We thank You for the worship, God. And we thank You for Your Word. Lord, You've given us all that we need right here in this Word. May we never forget that nor neglect it. God, You've given us a local church. May we never forget it nor neglect it. God, You've given us so many things. Help us to see who we are in Christ. All that we possess in Him. Not from any good that we've ever done. Not from anything that we could ever do, but simply because of the goodness of God. The goodness of Christ. Lord, help me now. I pray, God, that it would not be me that preaches. It would be You. Lord, that You would give us what is needed. Open up eyes today, God. We've had a week of revival meetings, but Lord, how much revival have we had? Lord, today may we have it. God, meet the need of every heart today in this place as only You can. Through the power of Your Spirit, through the power of Your Word, in Jesus' name, Amen. I want to begin here sort of by way of introduction to remind you it's only 11.05. I've got plenty of time today. (laughs) Some contextual reminders here. Let's start in verse 1. You are risen with Christ. We are not trying to gain something that we do not have, but rather live out of who we are and what we possess in Christ. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. You are not a groundhog trying to sprout wings and a beak and fly and be a bird. You are a bird who has a beak and wings and can fly, so therefore fly. Dear Christian, you're a bird. Fly. Be who you already are and live out of what you already possess in Christ Jesus. I am risen with Christ. Not just to come. I'm risen with Christ now. Now. Now look at this. The indicative, as we talked about in that sermon, gives us power to practice the imperative. The Christian life in the Bible is not do's and don'ts are there some do's and don'ts yes but they never come without telling us the the whys the motivation 
Because I am risen with Christ, therefore I now can and should seek those things which are above. Therefore I should set my affections on things which are above. And because today we're going to see that I'm dead, yet my life is here with Christ and God, and that Christ who is my life, when He shall appear, I shall be with Him also. Therefore now, verse 5, the imperative, I can mortify the members. Notice that. But I need that indicative driven into my mind, driven into my head, and seek down into my heart so that, as Colossians 2, verse 7 says, that I can be rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as He have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Because the more I know and the more I grow, the more I begin to worship the Lord. That's what the Christian life looks like. It is a life of worship, but we will not worship who we do not know, and we do not know who we have not studied, but He has revealed Himself, and the reason why you don't know God is not because He hasn't revealed, it is because you have not gotten in this book. It's right here. You want to see Christ? Open up this book. You want to hear what He has to say? Open up this book. You want to know what He wants for your life? Open up this book. You want to know what Jesus thinks about you today? Open up this book. We don't need to know what the world thinks about us. You don't even need to know what you think about you. I know what I think about me. Can I be real this morning? I don't, I don't like me. Makes you feel better. I don't like... <laughs> oh, oh, is that alright? That's alright. Some of you don't like one another. Some of you don't like me. And that's fine too. It don't matter what no, nobody out there thinks about me this morning. It matters what Jesus thinks. It doesn't matter what the man in the mirror thinks of me. It matters what Jesus thinks. And He says I'm risen with Him. He says, this is who I am now in Christ. Furthermore, we see that Paul is discussing not what can be, what we can try to achieve. He is saying, dear believer, this is who you are. This is your identity. This is what you possess in Christ. We have riches beyond measure. The most poor of us are rich in Christ. The richest person I know are the ones who bow their knee before the throne of God. They are the poor and the paupers and the beggars and the ones with sores and the ones with tribulation, and yet they can freely, by the blood of Jesus, enter into that throne room of grace and lay down before the throne of the God of heaven and call Him Father. You want to talk about being rich? That's the richest you have today, believer. The Christian life is practically living what we positionally are and have in Christ. We can never look at it deep enough, high enough, wide enough to think that God has saved us. And not just that we are dead and buried, but we are risen. And not just that He has saved us, but gives us such security that my life right now is hidden with Christ in God. There is no more sacred of a place, nor secret of a place, nor sanctifying of a place than being with Christ in God. That is who I am today. Am I a sinner? Am I wicked? Am I vile? Am I disappointing? Am I all of these things? Absolutely. But when the Lord sees me, this is what He sees. And if you don't see this, then you will never be able to freely obey God. It is a joy and a freedom to obey Him and to do the do's and the don'ts. Only because of who we are. 
I want to illustrate today our identity. We live in a society that celebrates people for being not just what they do, but what they are, right? Think about it this way. How many of you guys would say it's an honorable thing to be a family man? It's not a confusing question. I hope not. We'll try, we'll try the next one, all right? See if you can get on board. <laughs> How many of you think it might be an honorable thing to be a, a working man, right? You've got to provide for family, don't you? You ain't a man if you don't, right? We okay? How about this? How about people celebrate someone who's a, a giving man, right? It's a good thing to give, right? Amen? A few of you still just aren't sure. Your arms ain't working. That's all right. People celebrate being a caring man. How many of you would say it's, it's a good thing to be a caring man? Oh, yes. We need some of that, don't we? People celebrate this, especially in our culture today, being a manly man, right? Looks like that guy on, the, on that uh, paper towel commercial, right? Mixed with a little bit of Mr. Clean and some Chuck Norris. Go, That's manly right there. That's it. Right now, if I were to say be a manly man, you've got somebody in your mind, and it's probably not me. We celebrate these things as a culture. Why? Because all these are things that those men do. But think of this. When you call someone a family man, why do you call them a family man? Because they're identified with their family. They're a family man. When you say that someone is a working man, it's because they're identified with their work. When you say someone is a caring man, it's because they're identified with how caring they are. If you say that someone is a, uh, a, a manly man, it's because they're identified with manly things, right? Whatever that means today. It's in the Bible, right? That's what we need. What about being a Jesus man? You see, most of us are willing to be identified with work, until we lose our family or being so identified with family that we begin to worship them and not the God who entrusted that family to us. We must, and ladies too, by the way, we'll tag that in, must be identified not in what you do, not in who you are related to, not in the things that you give or the way in which you might be manly or feminine, but it must be in Christ. Are you a Jesus man? Are you a Jesus woman? When others see you right now, do they look and they say, oh, that's a working man. That's a family man. That's a giving man. They say that's a godly man. You say, well, is it bad to be a family man preacher? It is if you're not a godly man first. Because you'll be a poor husband and a poor father no matter what you do if you do it without Christ. You say, what about being a working man? Have a good, successful life, a good, successful business so I can provide for that family and provide for others so I can be a giving man too. If you do it for your glory, by your strength, and without Christ, and without it being for His glory, throw it away. Let's see what we need. We need to be identified with Him alone. Today we're going to see three things that the risen life has given us. A living position a living partnership, and a living promise in Christ that allows us to live the Christian life. There's our front porch. Let's get to the house. All right. First of all, in verse number 3, we see our living position. We are saved and we are secure. You will not be secure unless you're saved, but because you are saved, you're secure. We can trust 
and rest in that. Look at this. First of all, we are saved today. Look at this uh, first couple of uh, words here in verse number 3. For ye are dead. There is no salvation without death. It is a death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. But there, at the moment of your salvation, it's your death too. The moment that you trust Jesus, you may as well have been the one on that cross. You've died. The old man is dead. He said you're dead here. He's told us that we're dead in plenty of other places. For ye are dead. It is the idea here in the tents, because you have died. You have already died. And now we get to continue to live this life of self-denial, self-death. Why? So that Christ would live in us. We only find life in death. I will only live an eternal life with my Lord when I die in this temporary world. Does that understand? Right? Do we see the, the correlation here? I've got to die to truly live. As we see here, it is in the aorist tense. You say, well, what does that matter to me? It means that it's done in the past with the present effect. The believer died with Christ the moment that they put their trust in Him. It is as if we were the ones that were there. We died with Him. Galatians 2.20 tells about this. We'll get into some others here in just a moment. But it is also an indicative, as we've been talking about. This is the mood of reality. This is actually who you are. This is a statement of fact, a statement of truth, a statement of reality. You are dead. Praise God. It is a very real reality and position, though our fleshly minds may not comprehend it. If I only can be also real with you this morning, I cannot comprehend the depth of what it means that I'm dead in Christ. That I'm dead to myself. That I'm already dead yet alive. I can't fathom all of that. But the Bible takes care of that. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, For now we see through a glass darkly. <laughs> There's some mystery here. I can't go to the bottom of the ocean of who God is. Praise God, He lets me wade out in the shallows every now and again, and it gets pretty deep pretty quick. But He says, for we now see through a glass darkly, but then, face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even also that I'm known. Our position of being dead in Christ frees us from the power of of sin. Certainly, the moment we're saved, it frees us from the penalty. We'll look at that in a moment, but let's look here at a couple of verses here. Colossians chapter 2, verse 20 tells us this, Wherefore, if ye be dead with Christ, not just after, but with Christ, the old man was crucified with Christ, dead with Him. His death, our death. His life, our life. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why as though living in the world are you subject to ordinances? This whole passage, he's getting to the place in chapter 2 where he's saying, yeah, all these folks who are telling you what to eat, what to wear, what to say, what not to say, and how to go back to the law. He says, hogwash and baloney. He says, look at who you are. He says, let no man tell you. Let God tell you. Why? Because you're dead. And it's not their life to live. It's not even your life to live. It's Christ's life in you. Because now he says not only in verse chapter 2, verse 20, that you're dead, but then he says, and immediately in chapter 3, because you're risen with Christ, and then he gets into verse number 3 with some more indicative, for ye are dead. 
How about this? We've gone back here several times. We'll keep going until we need it because it's there forever, forever. Praise God. And it's so just as fresh every time we look at it. Romans chapter 6, verse number 2 and 3. Matter of fact, I'll back to verse number 1 just to help you out. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? What's the answer? God forbid. No way. May it never be. How shall we that are, notice this, dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us are, were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into His death. You are dead. End of story. End of discussion. That is who you are in Christ. You've died. And you had to in order to live. You see here? How about this? Galatians tells us this. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. You're not going to be crucified unless you die. You get on a cross, you're going to be dead. Nobody survived a crucifixion and lived to tell about it, except for Jesus. And He died a literal death. And He went into a literal grave, even a borrowed grave, because He didn't need it long. That third day, He rose again. If anybody could tell you what it's like to be crucified, it's Him, because He's the only one that could. He lived. He died. He lived so that we might die and live. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. You want some more? Here, look. Galatians 5 tells us this. And verse 24. This is good. He says, and they that are Christ, that's possessive, belongs to Him. Are you saved today? All right, amen. One of you is Christ. The rest of you, we can take care of that by the end of this service. If you are saved today, you do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to the devil. You do not belong to this world. You do not belong to anyone else except for Christ. Does your life reflect that truth? Because whether you live like it or not, if you're saved today, that is still who you are. And because that's who you are and what you possess, it ought to be what we live. It ought to be what we say. It ought to be what we practice in our life. If we, that are Christ, have it crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. How about then in chapter 6 of Galatians? Verse 14, but God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. I want to help you out this morning. <coughs> we talk about three terms that deal with salvation. Justified, to be declared righteous. Sanctification, right? The continuing work of, of Christ um, sanctifying us for His use, for His purpose, and glorification where one day we'll be fully delivered from this world, right? The idea is this. Justified being done in the past, we are saved from the penalty of sin. No longer is that penalty held against us the moment you trust Christ. Never again. Praise the Lord. Saved. I'm not just saved a little. I'm saved all the way. Justified all the way. Not just as if I had never sinned, but it is just as if I had kept all the law. Just as if I had been perfect as Jesus was perfect. Do you understand that? That's the beauty. It is not just as if I had not sinned. This is just as if I had lived a sinless life. But He declares me righteous. 
sanctification. This is what we struggle with. Why? Because this is the here, nasty, now, and now. This is the battle and the war with the flesh. And whether you knew it or not, the moment you got saved, you began a spiritual battle until you die. And the only way to win it is through your own death. Does that make sense? All right. But this saves us from the power of sin. No longer do you have to answer to sin. You realize that right now you very much have the choice to sin. The devil did not make you do anything. If he did, you still belong to him and you need to be born again. Today, if you sin, it is because you gave in to a power and to a master that you no longer have to do. When you sin, it is because you chose to walk over to sin your old master and put yourself in shackles once more and say, boy, sin is so much fun. You don't think about sin that way, do we? No, we don't. That's what sin is. We've been freed from that. We have a new master, and he's a good one. To be glorified, this is what we long and look forward to. This is our future where we are saved from the presence of sin. Right now, we still battle it out with the power. We don't have to give in to it. We're still battling with that power, battling against the flesh, battling against it. The spirit is at war with the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. But one day, one day, we shall be free from sin forevermore. One day I won't have to fail God again. Only in your death can you find the risen life being lived out. You are dead. The risen life is not one that is trying to attain victory and life. It is living life from the victory and life that's already been given. Not only are we saved, but in verse number 3 we find that we are secure. Today, if you are saved, that is now who you are forever and forever and forever and forever. Is that one more forever? Forever. Amen. There is not a single thing that you did to get there, to get saved. There's not a thing that you can do that's going to make God unsave you. Because you didn't make, you didn't convince Him to save you in the first place. He saved you because He loved you. He saved you because He's gracious and He's merciful and He's kind, but at the same time because He's just and He punished His Son so He didn't have to punish you. He saved you because you, by His free grace, said yes to His free grace by faith. You said, God, I can't save myself, but only you can. I lay myself down at your mercy. That's it. That's salvation. How about the next step? That's Him too. You see, He didn't save us to dangle our eternal life over top of us Every time we sin, go, oh, oh, no. Uh, maybe I'll give it back. No, I'm going to take it away. Oh, you thought about lying. I'll take it away. Find me one verse that tells me the sin that will make me lose my salvation, and I'll preach it. It ain't there. Why? Because God ain't no Indian giver. When God gives salvation, He ain't going to take it back. And when it's real, it's real. When it ain't, it ain't. Look here. We're secure. Look at this. Verse number three. Not only are you dead. That's the part that we're like, okay, good. We got that out of the way, right? Now here's some good stuff. Here's your happy-go-lucky, feel-good sermon, all right? I'll even smile about it. Look at this. Your life is hid with Christ in God. When you read it, you should smile. Your life is not only, not only are you dead, but now you're able to be alive. And your life, your very present life, 
your very future life and eternity that you're already seated in, that you're already risen in, it is hidden, secured is the idea, safe in the very hands of God. As Jesus had talked about in John chapter 10, this security that we're in His hand, He's in the Father's hand, and no man can plug Him out. If you could, then you're stronger than God. And any people or anybody or anything that preaches that you can lose your salvation believes that they are stronger than the blood of Christ, believes that they are more uh, stronger than the very hand of God that holds us fast. I'm glad that He holds me fast because I let go of God all the time. If my salvation was left up to me, I never would have had it to begin with, and I'd lose it every second of my life. Oh, He holds me fast. Though my love often grows cold, though worry and anxiety comes crashing down upon me, though my sin is ever before me, He still holds on to me and my salvation and my sanctification. And one day, my glorification is not because I held on to Christ, it's because He held on to me. Do you know that Christ is holding on to you today, dear believer? If you know and hear nothing else today, if you're saved, Christ is holding you fast. And there will be nothing that can take Him uh, from holding you and it can loosen His grip. No, but He holds you and He cares for you and He nurtures you and He knows you and He has given you a new nature, given you a new home, given you a new attitude, given you a new hunger. He has given you His very self. You are safe in the hands of Almighty God. The hands that formed the world you are held in. The hands that were stretched out upon a tree and driven nails into. For your sins, you are held in those. Safe and secure. My life is hid with Christ and God. If it wasn't for a millisecond, I would be in hell. So would you. You are dead and your life is hid with Christ. There is no more secure position, earthly or eternally, than to be hid with Christ and God. This is the position of every believer. And this is the practice that can now be lived in the risen life. The risen life is as well the hidden life. Not only am I risen with Christ, but I am hidden with Christ in God. There is nothing more wonderful than that. We are secured in our union with Christ. John chapter 10, verse 28. All of Romans chapter 8. For sake of time today, I'm not going to read it all. i got about three more hours in me, it feels like. We're secured in our identity with Christ. His death and life are now ours. From the moment of salvation and now in our sanctifying, abiding in Him. How good God is. We are secured in our hidden life with Christ. The risen life and the hidden life in Christ become now an invisible source of life to us. I do want to look here today briefly. John 14, verse number 15. Let's start there. This will be good. If you love me, keep my commandments. Simple enough. The only reason why you can ever love Him is because He first loved you. And here... He does not leave you powerless to obey Him. Rather, He enables you and empowers you to obey Him, not because of who you are, but because of who He is, 
Not because of what you've done, but because of all that He has done and given you in Christ Jesus. Look at this. Verse 16 down through 21. Jesus is speaking here. He says, And I will pray the Father, and He shall give you another comforter. You want to talk about finding the work of the triune God, the work of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from creation to the cross to your salvation, your sanctification, one day your glorification. It is a work of the Father, Son, and Spirit of God. He says that He may abide with you forever. Let me know how long forever is. Is it until you mess up? It is until you sin a big enough sin. It says He abides in you forever. Why? Because there's not a moment that you don't need the Spirit of God abiding in you. Because if He were not abiding in you, you would never obey God because you could not obey God in your flesh. Your flesh will never obey God because it don't want to obey God. Only the Spirit within you does. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth Him not. It's hidden to them. Notice that hidden life. The world don't understand what you and I got. Nor can they. Can carnal, fleshly understand the spiritual? No, my friend. Look at this. He says, Neither knoweth him. That's why I can't see him, because I don't know him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He's not just alongside you as the Paracletos, the, uh, this comforter who walks alongside with his arm around you. He is very much in you. That now you are the temple of the living God. He says, and I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. His presence is given. His provision is given. Yet a little while, His promise. He says, And the world seeth me no more, but ye see me. Because I live, ye shall also live. At that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Your union with Christ, your identity with Christ, it is everything to your spiritual life. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. He that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him and will manifest myself to him. How about this? You talk about this hidden life. Colossians chapter 2 tells us already about it. Chapter 2, verse 3. Chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, excuse me. <coughs> that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ in whom, who's whom? Christ. In whom? In Christ are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. You know what you need to live the Christian life? Wisdom and knowledge. You know where you're not going to find those? You're not going to find them in the world. You're not going to find them in your flesh. You're not going to find them in your own ideas. You're not going to find them in a Bible study that says, well, you know, I think you're going to find it in Christ alone. If it is Christ alone who saves, it is Christ alone who sanctifies, it is Christ alone who glorifies, your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now this leads us immediately into the end of this verse. In the beginning of verse 4, we find now our living partnership. Y'all still with me? Here it is. Here's your living partnership with Christ. We have our living position. We're dead. Our life is hidden with Christ. But as well, because our life is hidden with Christ in God, when Christ who is our life, or when Christ our life. Can you say that this morning, that Christ is your life? Can you say that this morning? That He's it. If you stop being your profession, if everything was taken away from you, 
if you began to be deaf, mute, blind, lame, covered in boils, would you still be able to know that Christ is your life? That He's all that you need. He's all that you have. Christ, my life. He's not just a part of it. We sang earlier, worthy is the Lamb. What were the lyrics? Worthy is the Lamb because He's a part of my life. Worthy is the Lamb on Sunday mornings. Worthy is the Lamb when things are going good. Worthy. No. All times, all places, all things. Because He's my life. The risen life and the hidden life in Christ now becomes our source of not only eternal life, but enabling life to live for Him in this present world. Our position is our practical as Brother Taylor said this week, and it struck me how good it was. Uh, thank God He came, at least for this for me. Our union with Christ gives us communion with Christ. Our salvation gives us union. Our sanctification is walking in communion with Him. Because I am risen, because I am dead, and my life is hidden with Christ and God. Christ now becomes our source of life and our strength for life. He is the source Himself, not only for our eternal life to come, but the enablement of the Christian life now. 1 John chapter 5 tells us this. I'll turn there so you don't have to, alright? 1 John chapter 5, verse 11 and 12. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. Notice you didn't inherit it. Notice that you didn't earn it. Notice that you did nothing to purchase it. He freely gave. If He didn't, there's no such thing as grace. That's what grace is. Look at this. This is the record that God hath given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. It's in Christ. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Let me put it to you maybe in simpler terms. You ready? He that hath not the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. I didn't change it, did I? You don't get any more simple than this. If you have Christ and you are in Christ, you have life, both now and forever, freely given by His work, by His goodness, by His grace. But if you don't, and if you're not, then you don't have life. Furthermore, Hebrews chapter 12 tells us this in verse number 2. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. How about one of my favorites that goes right along with it? Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident, assured, being confident of this very thing, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Do not think that He saved you to leave you to yourself. No, what He started, He will finish. I'm saved to the uttermost. I'm saved, secured. I'm sealed forever. We hear sealed, sealed unto the day of redemption. When's that? When He's coming back. We're going to get into that in just a moment. It's forever and forever, and there's nothing and no one, myself included, that could ever, ever, ever change it. When we talk about a living partnership, I now have the Spirit of God who indwells me. And you too, by the way. Not just preachers, not just 
evangelists and missionaries, not just those that sit around and twiddle their thumbs or read their Bible every day. No, but you, dear believer, whether you live like it or not, that's up to you. Your life is meant to be lived in partnership, not with your flesh, but in the Spirit of God with Christ. He has given us Himself. We had an old partner. It was the flesh, the old man, the old nature. We had an old partner. It was the devil. It was the world. It was our own ideas. It was our own programs. It was our own thoughts and opinions. That's gone. That's dead. I have a new partner. And he's not just someone that I can work alongside with. Rather, he's the very source of my life, the very source of the partnership. He's the very source of my strength. He's the one that sustains me. He's the one that keeps me going. It must be Jesus because if it was up to me, I'd be toast. In Christ is all that we need to live the risen life, the hidden life. In Christ is our source and strength for life. So how do we live this life? How? Tell me, tell me. Surrender to His partnership. Here's what this looks like. Jesus told us what that looks like. Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30. Take my yoke upon you. It's not your yoke. It's His yoke. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. You want to know how to live like Jesus? Live with Jesus. Amen? He says, for I am meek and lowly in heart. You shall find rest for your souls. You say, well, aren't we still working? Yes, but yoked up to Christ. And it's not such a hard job living the Christian life when I'm yoked up to Him. When I'm trying to pull my own way or to pull my own load or to be yoked up to myself or to try to, to get ground covered or to dig up ground by my own strength and I'm not yoked up to Him, that's when the Christian life becomes unbearable. That's when life itself becomes unbearable. But Jesus says, it don't have to be. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm meek and lowly. And you'll find rest for your souls. You can have rest while you work for Jesus. How does that make sense? Because I'm yoked up to Him. And then He says, for my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Erwin Lutzer said, you become stronger only when you become weaker. When you surrender your will to God, you discover the resources to do what God requires. What God requires you to do, He gives you resources to do. What God requires you to do, verses 1 and 2, to seek, to set, to then in verse 5, to mortify, to then in verse number 8, put off, to then in verse number 10, to put on those requirements of the Christian life, he has given you all the resources to do it. And it's found in being yoked to Christ. Now look at this. We have a living promise. This is the shortest one. Y'all ready for the back porch? All right. The living promise is this, that the coming of Christ and our glorification is both sure and soon. It's coming. I want you to know this. There's a beautiful promise in the Scriptures that tell us this. We often only hear it at maybe funerals every now and again if we're defending the rapture, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 on down is our hope. 
But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that's the gospel, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. What did Colossians just tell us? What did he just tell us there? He says, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. With him. Notice all throughout these four verses. Verse number one, with Christ. Verse number one, where Christ. Verse number three, with Christ. Verse number four, when Christ. Verse number four as well, with him. With him. He says, For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain of the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together, the snatching away with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, with the Lord, with Christ in God. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Dear church, today you want comfort? Christ is coming. Today, if you, you're struggling with your sin, you're struggling with your, your hurt, you're struggling with figuring all this Christian life out, Christ is coming. That's good enough, isn't it? And His reward comes with Him. Matter of fact, He is the reward. To see my Savior face to face. Furthermore, and lastly, 1 John tells us this. 1 John chapter 3, verses 1-3. through 3, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Chew on that one for a minute. That we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not. It's hidden. Because we're risen and we're hidden with Christ and God. Because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God and doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath, that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. You want to know something that will purify your life and will allow you to live the Christian life? It will clean up your Christian life? Christ is coming. We shall be like Him in an instant. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. S. Lewis Johnson once said, for the believer, the fundamental aspects of it are expressed in two simple phrases there in 1 John. Like Him and with Him. Having these assurances, we are content to wait patiently for the complete manifestation. In the meantime, let us in the power of grace Seek and set our affection on the things above and live in the power of the hidden life we have. The living promise of His coming should now be the reason that we seek those things which are above and set your affection on things above and mortify your members and put off these things and put on these things. The life of a believer is one who by faith continuously is looking upward for Christ and forward to Christ. Faith does not look around. Faith don't look back here. Faith don't look down at my mistakes. Faith looks up and out. Forward and upward. Christ is coming. Today as we bring this to a close, 
Let me ask you. Is Christ your life? I'm not talking about you come to church. I'm not talking about He's a part of your life. I'm not talking about you try real hard. If any of that is your answer right now, you don't need that. Is He your life? Is He the very reason for why you do what you do? Are you a working man? Are you a family man? Are you a giving man? How about this one? This is a tough one. Are you a church man? Are you a Jesus man? Our life must be identified with Christ alone. And in being identified with Him, I find freedom to live for Him. I find in this two verses here some of the sweetest promises and truth that is given. That we have a living position in Him. I'm dead, but alive, and I'm hidden with Christ and God. Forever safe and secure. But I find as well that I have a living partnership that He's my life. He's my source and my strength. Are you drawing off the source and strength for your life or are you going at it alone? Are you yoked to Christ or yoked to trying real hard? His yoke is easy and His burden is light. And we have a living promise that the coming of Christ and one day the freedom from the presence of sin that's coming along with it, it's sure and it's soon. Are you ready? Christ is coming. I'll leave you with this. D.L. Moody once said, let God have your life. He can do more with it than you can. Is Christ your life? Let's all stand this morning. Today, if you need to know Jesus, if you need to have these things settled, would you come? I'll take the Bible and show you Christ. You can be born again today. Not by anything that you can do, but by simply trusting in Christ. Today, if you're struggling today, whatever your need might be, I don't know how you're living. I don't know what your Christian life looks like right now. I don't know how you're feeling about it all. I don't know how any of these things. I, I just know this. Christ is coming. And Christ has given us so much. Would you come and receive? Draw from that source. Draw from the strength that is Christ Jesus.